This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Welcome to whatever the heck this podcast is going to be. I, I'm, I'm guessing we're going to call it a special edition Nerdy Legion podcast. Uh, maybe I'll have Martin release it as a... You know, you know what? I'm going to tell Martin to release this. At, well, I'll see what he wants to do. This is either going to be a Nerdy Legion podcast or I'm going to have him release it as a special episode of Valiant Central. Because the whole reason that you're even getting involved in this is essentially because uh, I... Before the Valiant Central podcast even existed... Uh, before I started working with Martin on Valiant Central, when he was doing the website and I joined him with it, uh, we started the uh, the Fantasy Football League. And it started because it was fantasy football season. This is going three years ago. And I went on the, uh, the, the big Valiant Facebook group, which at that time was much smaller than it is now. And I said, hey, it's fantasy football time. Does anybody have any clever team names? Because I've never really come up with team names that I've really liked. Uh, you know, I've, like, thrown stuff together, but usually, like, I would just kind of change it every year because nothing really, you know, nothing really was right. You see a lot of witty fantasy football team names. Right. Uh, and, you, you know, then you get ones that kind of have meaning to the people. I didn't have either, so I was like, I just, you know, was looking for suggestions. Didn't get any good suggestions, but then somebody asked if we were going to make a league. So I said, yeah, I can make a league. So I made a league in the first year. Uh, Martin was in it. That's how I met Martin. Uh, He actually was – I had filled it up, but then he sent me a message at the last minute wanting to be in it. So I I extended the league further just to get Martin in it and said, yeah, you can get in it. You just got to find somebody else. That way we keep it an even number. And uh, Don Acri invited – well, he, he tagged a bunch of Valiant people, Matt Kent saw it and joined and Matt Kinn actually played the first two years of the league with us uh he had to bow out the third year because he's just too busy with comics um and there there's a couple of guys in it that I, I really just got to know because they joined the league because they were never very active on Facebook uh Jason well the two Jasons uh one of them actually won the first uh year of the league um Gosh, and I, I don't remember everybody who was in it from the beginning, but uh, between the first year and the second year, there were some some people that didn't participate the first year or were bad bad league members. But we really purged them, and by the second year, it was very solid. Uh, we had a few people join up for one year that left, um, and uh, you know a few people that yeah. You know, so we've we've kind of flushed it out. So with the second year. We, we kind of ironed out some of the kinks as far as getting solid members that wanted to be there. So by the third year, uh, we did two keepers between the second year and the third year. And uh, with the third year, we ended up with a bunch of people that wanted to join, but we didn't have room. And I did not want to expand it past 12 teams because it just it gets hard when you get too many teams in there. And it's like we, we have a league there of people who want to be competitive, uh, but they don't. Like, they don't want it to be a super intense, difficult-to-play game either, you know? So we ended up forming uh, the Slack League last year, 
uh, which uh, I know Dwan Dwan was the one who actually set it up last year, and this year we're doing it again. That's the league I got you to to join, Jay. But we started that one because people were asking about joining the Valiant Central League, and I didn't have enough room for people. I ended up uh, I made Ronnie and Aaron share a team when one person dropped, but then we had a second team drop out, so I split them up and gave them their own teams. That was the expansion with with that year, so we kept it 12 teams. Um, so we made the league because Jack wanted to play, Dwan wanted to play, Justin wanted to play. I was down to be in another league, so I said, hey, I'll do it with you guys, you know, even though I'm in enough leagues. Um, Bronny and Aaron were also in that one. And then we, we filled it up with friends of Dewan's because we didn't have enough people in Slack to, to just fill it up. Uh, so then this year, Dwan asked me to help him set it up because last year, I don't know what he did, but he did some quirky things in it that, that made for uh, a weird setup to the schedule. Um but so we, we were doing it again this year, and we wanted to fill it up as much as we could with Valiant fans. So we added uh, – I added one friend of mine who's not particularly a, a Valiant fan, but I wanted a, him in a league with me this year. Um, we got you in it, so and then we're we're trying to finish it up with three of uh, Dwan's friends. Uh, so that's the league that you're in. You haven't played fantasy football before. When I asked you, you said that you follow college football more, yes. but I – said you know if you know football at all you just dive in and do it and that's how you learn how to do it um so you were asking me a bunch of questions via you know various text-based forms of communication i said we should just do a quick podcast about it tonight because that way i can tell you the basics you can ask me questions we could do it for other people because i know sparkman is uh he joined the bcp league this year uh, and this will be his first time playing. So he's going to be the one that we send this to to edit, so he'll get the benefit of it. Um, so that's why we're doing this. Um, I This is going to be my 11th year playing fantasy football, and I'll tell you the way that I started was 11 years, I guess like 10 years ago. 11 years ago? I guess 11 years ago, right? I don't know how the math works. 11 years ago. Uh, I just decided, you know, I decided to give it a shot. So I went on ESPN's website because that's, you know, the first place I would think of to go for something pertaining to sports. And I joined a random league. Like you can go on ESPN and you can just join random leagues with random people. And I did that and I did an auto draft league. So you didn't even draft your players. You didn't select them. The computer just selected them all for you uh, because I didn't know anything. And I actually made the playoffs my first year because I picked up Tony Romo right at the right time. That was the year that he started starting for the Cowboys. Uh, He took over midway through the season or whatever. So he got me to the playoffs, and then I got crushed in the playoffs because I had Tony Romo at the end of the (laughs) season. Uh, so the, much like the Cowboys got crushed on the playoffs, I think. That's exactly. Yeah, I think that was the year where he uh, they had the snap that he didn't line up that line, didn't line it up right, and they lost the game in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I may have been. I don't like say I don't follow NFL all that much. I certainly don't follow the Cowboys, even though I live in the Dallas area. Yeah, I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for Romo. I couldn't tell you anything about anybody else on my team that year, other than I had Dion Branch. And he played for the Patriots the season before, and they won the Super Bowl. And he got traded to the Seahawks. Uh, so he was, you know, his value dropped greatly, basically. Because, I mean, that was that was before the Seahawks were really any good. But that was the, actually, you know, that was the year the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl against the Steelers and then got their butts kicked. So, I mean, they weren't bad, but they weren't, you know, they weren't this current era of Seahawks. 
but anyway, so I, I've been playing it for a long time. And the, the first, the basic things that I'll tell you of how to kind of get stuff figured out is I, I prefer ESPN. I know some people prefer other things, but I've been uh, playing fantasy football on there for years. Uh, I've been reading their articles, and I've been listening to the ESPN Fantasy Focus Football podcast. Uh, it's the One of the hosts has been the same host for the whole time it's been on. Uh, they've had kind of a changeover of the second host at some point. The the pod, the podcast producer changed over, and they've both been – the podcast producer is even basically a member of the show. Um, but it's a podcast I love listening to. It's the, the first podcast I ever listened to, the only one I listened to for years. Um, and it's still like this time of year when it starts getting into football season. Usually uh, other podcasts will get pushed to the side, and I'll kind of get around to them when I feel like it because I try to keep up with this one at least to some extent. Um, but if you listen to the podcast, it gets you starting to hear player names. So you get familiar with, uh, just what guys you should be thinking about. Cause like you said, if you don't closely watch football, you know, even if you were an avid fan of the Texans, you're probably really paying attention to the, the Texans and you might know like the biggest names in the league otherwise. Right. But what, uh, the way to find gold in fantasy is to know the guys who are going to do good that nobody thinks about. That those are the little nuggets, and you luck on them as much as you find them on purpose, too. So it's not like you have to know the ins and outs if you just pay attention. Um, the first time I ever played in a league with people I knew, uh, a friend of mine, his fiance worked for me in one of the, the stores I managed. And he started the league, asked if I wanted to be in. So he was in, I was in, his fiance was in other people, whatever, they don't matter. His fiance only cares at all about football because her fiance was a huge Steelers fan. So that's her extent to, I mean, she couldn't give a damn about football otherwise, but she'll know enough about it because it's important to him. You know, she's, she's that type. Um, whereas like my wife, she doesn't care if I like it. She doesn't know anything about it. She doesn't want to, you know? Um, so she was in it. She was second place the first year and she won it the second year because she went into it wanting to do well. And I told her the same thing I just told you: read the articles, listen to the podcast. And so she she just she figured out the basics. And it's not about knowing all the players; it's just about you know using the things that are right there for you to use and you know playing it like a game because that's what it is. So that's that's just like the basic entry level thing that I would say. Um, so what, what were some of your first questions about it? Well, first thing I, I did what you said. I went out. To ESPN and I found what they call Fantasy Football 101 and I just start reading that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew a, a little bit about what it was about. I've had friends and other people that have played it over the years. I've had opportunities to play it, but every time somebody invited me, it was always a cash league and I just really didn't feel like paying money to play fantasy football. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I was, you know, I, I took the link that you sent and joined the league. And I was going through the team, uh, you know, the league settings, and comparing that to what I was reading with uh, at the 101. And the first thing I said, okay, well, the points are head to head, so you're playing, you're playing team for team each week. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the scoring options, and it didn't take long. I, I deduced after a while that we were playing the the PPR fractional scoring. Mm-hmm. So a side note on that, too, is uh, ESPN, this is the first year that their default scoring is PPR instead of standard. 
and fractional instead of just, you know, no fractions, just rounding. Well, not, not even rounding, just the fraction doesn't matter. You have to, like, hit the whole number. So this is the first year that that's their default. So uh, in our league that we're going to be playing in, we did PPR last year anyway, so we were going to do that again. Uh, but I'm going to – I don't think anybody would have a problem with it, but I'm going to roll with the fractional scoring on it. Um, so for anybody listening that doesn't know what that stuff means, PPR is points per reception. So every time a player catches a pass, they score a point just for that action. Um, and the fractional scoring means that whereas in standard scoring, uh, you have to say if you're running back, you have to get 10 yards to get a point. So nine yards is zero points. 11 yards is one point with fractional nine yards would be 0.9 points. 10 yards would be one point and 11 would be 1.1. So that's how that works. Right. So I mean, I, I was able to reason that out pretty quickly. And so I started reading more about, you know, the PPR fractional, seeing what other people had to say. And then I, from that, I kind of deduced, based on what people were saying, that I started thinking about, okay, draft. Because, like, how the hell am I going to, you know, I don't know anything about very many players. How am I going to set up a draft? And so the next thing I came across was, it seemed to be, indicate that with this type of scoring, you're probably better at the start to... In the early rounds, go for wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs, and uh, do other, you know, quarterback. Leave your quarterback draft till later rounds. Yeah, that that's basically like the uh, basic approach to it. One thing I've learned over the years uh, is that every year there's a different. This is the way to do it. Um, and back when I first started playing, running backs were always what you wanted to pick first. And this is not PPR scoring, just regular scoring. Uh, because running backs used to be a lot more valuable because even just 10 years ago, teams typically ran with one running back. You know, you had one one core running back. Nowadays, most teams have like a, a backfield by committee approach. Plus, the passing game has gotten more and more prevalent. So it's rare to get those running backs that are really highly valued. Um, with PPR scoring, it definitely heightens the value of wide receivers. But you also got to think about what type of wide receiver they are. So uh, a receiver like uh, so the Redskins last year, Deshaun Jackson, he's a big play type of receiver. He's going to catch the ball deep downfield. He's going to have big plays, but he's probably not going to have as many catches in a game. Same team, Jamison Crowder, which was a player that I mean, I didn't know who he was before last year. I ended up with him just because at some point I drafted him or picked him up on the waiver wire based on just a, a shot in the dark value pick, you know, but he was a kind of guy that catches a lot of passes. So even if he's not getting as many yards or as many touchdowns, those passes add up. And if you figure you need 10 yards to get a point, one catch for one yard would still get you a point, you know? Um, so in PPR, you know, there there's still going to be those receivers that are big play receivers that just, you know, it, at some point it supersedes how many catches they're going to get. Like Odell Beckham on the Giants. He's just a superstar. He's a stud. So it doesn't matter if he typically is going to get a few big play catches a game because he's also going to have those games where not only is he going to put up the stats in yards and touchdowns, but he's going to get like 10 catches, which will, would make it an insane scoring game in PPR. So, you know, guys like that, um, Antonio Brown, uh, Julio Jones, like they just are superstar stud receivers. 
you know, being a superstar supersedes being a player that might catch a lot of balls. Um, now, on the running back side of it, uh, kind of same thing, too. There are some running backs that are just going to be studs, but they're, with, with how prevalent passing has gotten in pro football, they're going to be running backs that really get elevated by the pass catching. So two of the top running backs in fantasy football right now, regardless, are Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. They're even better in PPR because they both catch a lot of passes. Uh, I, I had Le'Veon Bell the last couple of years on teams, and he'll have games where he gets crap for rushing yards because the, the team's defense that they're playing against is clearly saying, we're going to stop Le'Veon Bell. He'll still get his in the passing game because you can't stop these little dink and dunk passes where he gets a little yardage, and he gets, the, he gets it done. David Johnson basically did the same thing the last two years. Um, then you have another running back like uh, Ezekiel Elliott on the Cowboys, who doesn't, you know, he doesn't do it by catching the ball a lot. So he's still a, a stud running back. You know, he's only he only has one year of history. So you know, assuming you know, we're assuming that that's going to keep up because he looks like he has the talent. Um, that the, the pass catching drops him behind those other two definitely because they catch a lot of passes. So when you're drafting, you kind of want to think about that, and that's where. Even for me, for how long I've played fantasy football, I've only played PPR for a couple of years. Um, so at the beginning of the draft, you're a little more clear, like, oh, yeah, I want this guy. You know, it's more obvious. As you get deeper is where it gets a little bit more difficult because, uh, you know, when they start to be lesser known players, do you really know if, like, the number two receiver on uh, the the Vikings catches a lot of passes? You know, you might, you might not. Um, one thing that'll help you and anybody else playing this for the first time this year is that, like I said, ESPN, because they switched their, their default to PPR, their rankings, and so the, the, the pre-draft rankings, they're, they're going to be based on PPR. Okay. So if you, if you aren't sure what to do, if you look, okay, what players do I need and what are the value picks right now, then you can take shots in the dark, and it's basically setting you up for success there. So that, that'll help you when you're doing it, because it'll be your first time doing it. Right, okay. Good to know. Uh, you know, I... So a couple other things that you said. Uh, tight end. So tight end is a position where you can get a tight end that can just make your team. But if you pay a lot for a tight end, which means drafting them early, so you're, you know, you're spending an early pick on them, um, then if they don't produce, it can really hurt. Because tight ends, if something happens and they just don't get the job done, it can really be a killer. Uh, like, they just don't do anything. Tight end is a position that, it, especially like it used to be, they just didn't do much. So it was kind of just a little bit of an add-on to the points. But a lot of tight ends are getting more prolific in the offense. So... If, if you had a pick, who do you think is, like, the best offensive tight end in the football league right now? Um, gosh. Uh, just with my very limited knowledge, I'm trying to think. Well, the um, most obvious name for, I think that people would go to is Rob Gronkowski. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's high-profile, he's on the Patriots, and he is just an offensive 
he's just ridiculous. Like offensively, he's a stud. Uh, the problem is he gets hurt a lot too. Uh, so if you have Rob Gronkowski healthy, if you got him in, but when he was at his at his best and healthy, like he had a, a whole healthy season, he would get picked in the first round. He was a very high drafted tight end, and if he stayed healthy, he was worth it because he guaranteed you points in a position where maybe a couple other teams are getting any kind of significant points. So it was a distinct advantage. Uh, the problem is, if he gets hurt, he can kill your team because you spent a high pick on him. You could have gotten a really good wide receiver, a really good running back, a really good quarterback. So with with tight end, you have to be careful. If you're going to spend a high pick on a tight end, you want it to be somebody that not only is going to produce really well, but they're going to be there. They're going to be reliable. So this year, you got Rob Gronkowski, who you're you, – I mean, he, he's hurt. He, he missed a big chunk of last year. Uh, you got Jordan Reed on the, on the Redskins, who when he plays, he's awesome. He's always hurt. And you got Travis Kelsey on the uh, the Chiefs, who uh, was insane last year. In one of my money leagues, I was in two money leagues last year, and uh, in one of them, I had a huge lead going into the uh, going into the finals. Um, well, the the second half of the finals because it was a, a two week final. You know, I take that back. I think in this league it was it was a uh, one week playoffs, but I was going into the final game of the week, so it was Monday night football or Sunday night football. I was all done. The other guy had Travis Kelsey. I had a thirty something point lead, which going up against a single player, especially a tight end, that should be no problem. Travis Kelsey almost single handedly came back and beat me. He he scored about thirty points. Uh, he just had the most ridiculous game. The Chiefs, I forget who they were even playing with. They were blowing them out, and they still kept on throwing it to Kelsey. He had multiple touchdowns. He had big plays. He had a ton of yards. Just like everything. Uh, so, I mean, he just he had an insane year last year. He almost single-handedly cost me uh, like 180 bucks. Wow. Um, so he's going to be the guy that I think is the one guy that is really highly drafted this year as far as tight ends. Then you have those guys with, with huge talent uh, that I just mentioned, but they have the injury question marks. That's going to push them back a little bit more. The problem is, is if you spend too early on a tight end, uh, you're passing on other players to do it. Uh, usually what I do with tight end is I want to get a tight end later. Um, and I usually look at, okay, who are the top tight ends? And I look kind of kind of towards the lower end of the top 10 tight ends. And I say, who do I think is going to be the most reliable? That is going to consistently get me, you know, five to eight points and occasionally have a big game rather than the guys that are either going to get me zero or 15, you know? Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't like spending an early pick on tight ends. Uh, so you had... You had made a comment to me earlier. You did a mock draft, which is a great idea to do because you get used to seeing how the drafts happen. Yeah. Um, before that, you had commented to me that from what you had looked at and read, that you want to get wide receivers first, then running backs, and hold off on drafting quarterback to later rounds. Um, so wide receivers and running backs, like I would prioritize wide receivers over running backs, like you said. Um, plus, there will be three. So basically, you have two spots where you can play wide receivers only, two spots where you can play running backs only, and then one spot where you can play a wide receiver or a running back. That's how our league is set up. Right. Um, in a PPR league, you're probably going to use that third one for wide receiver. So you also have more need for wide receiver than you do for running back. 
Um, so as you're going through the earlier rounds, you don't necessarily want to say, like, no, I'm just going to get a receiver. It doesn't matter who the running back is. You're going to look at who the running backs available are. And, you know, like in that first round, depending on where your pick falls, if you miss on those top wide receivers, but you got David Johnson there or Le'Veon Bell there, you're going to take David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, and then you're probably going to get a couple of wide receivers in the next two rounds after that because the value of that running back is going to really be worth it. Um, with quarterbacks, uh, I've seen it go so many different ways with quarterbacks. Sometimes people will take them early and it'll pay off. There was one year, so in one of my money leagues, the first year I played it, on paper I looked at my team and I thought, man, I'm going to walk all over this league because I saw how everybody else drafted. The problem was is I took Peyton Manning in the year that he completely fell to shit, and I took Jimmy Graham at a tight end. So Jimmy Graham used to be one of those like Rob Gronkowski-type tight ends who just was money, and he completely disappeared too. So the two I took both of those players really early, and if they had been producing as they had been every year before that, that would have been great, but they both just fell off the face of the earth at the same time, and it completely killed my team. Uh, so with quarterback, I, I've had so many years where I say, okay, I'm going to take a quarterback later, and then every time I'm about to take a quarterback, the quarterback I want gets taken, and a few more get taken after that. So I end up saying, okay, I either have to pick at the end of a run on quarterbacks, or I have to wait a while longer. Um, and I, I, I've had so many years where I've ended up taking a couple of later quarterbacks. And usually if I'm taking them kind of late, I'll take a couple because I'm going to kind of play the upsides, hope that one of them maybe really pops, you know? Yeah. Um, I always seem to pick the wrong ones. It's like I'll take Eli Manning the year that he's a piece of crap. But then the year I'm like, no, nah, I'm not touching Eli. I'm taking Tony Romo will be the year that Eli just is thrown like crazy and Romo goes to crap you know so you, you, you're taking a chance when you take them later but if you take them early kind of same thing you know if you I, I've had a year where I've taken Aaron Rodgers within the first round or two in a, a league that had a heightened value on quarterbacks and he's just about cost me the league because he hasn't you know he hasn't he wasn't Aaron Rodgers like that year uh, last year in the VCP league uh we had had two keepers from the year before, and in that league, we switched to Dynasty now, which means you can keep as many players as you want from your team. It just costs you draft picks. Um, so with the keepers, I kept David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, which was definitely a smart choice. I drafted Brady for my primary quarterback, knowing he was going to be suspended for four games. And then I drafted Matt Ryan later on as my second quarterback to use to fill in for Brady. And I didn't feel great about it. Like, I wasn't excited about having Matt Ryan. Part of the reason that I just killed it in that league is Matt Ryan had an insane year. And he's no, he hasn't had a year like that any other time. I mean, that's why I got him so late. So getting him so late in the draft made him worth the value. So as far as quarterbacks go, know the quarterbacks that you like. Um, you know, the quarterbacks that you think are going to be consistent, uh, especially in a PPR league. Like, you just want a, a consistent quarterback. But there's so many good quarterbacks in the league. Uh, you just don't want to do like some people would do. And like last year, Cam Newton just, he had a horrible year last year. So a lot of people, because he was amazing the year before, took him incredibly early. And then he was crap last year. He wasn't even a good fantasy quarterback last year. And that killed their teams because they took him with a first round pick. So 
you know, know who you want and kind of know what they're worth to you. And especially since you're coming into this without the team biases as much, um, and without the uh, the short term memory of fantasy football of oh this guy was great for me last year, so I'm gonna take him again this year. It'll actually kind of put you in a place where you're you're more objective about the players that you're looking at. Okay. Now about um, your bench players, how do, how do you structure that? I'm assuming you want to get, you know, again, pretty heavy on wide receivers and running backs. Okay, so let's. I'm actually. So you did that that mock draft earlier. I'm going to look at that because this will kind of help me be a little bit of a guide while looking at this. Um, so, you know, we we look at your team here. You have one quarterback. You have one starting quarterback, two starting running backs, two starting wide receivers, a starting tight end, a flex, which can be running back, wide receiver, or tight end, a defense, and a kicker. Right. So first of all, defense and kicker, take them with your last two picks, period. I Don't take them early. Um, some people will take defenses early because they want to get one of the, quote, good defenses. Some defenses are worth having, but the thing is, is like defenses can be very unpredictable. Um, so what I always do, I take a defense with my next to last pick, and then I keep on watching the defenses each week with the waivers and see, okay, do any defenses look like they're really doing good? I've had so many years where I've ended up with one of the top couple of defenses because I was attentive, not because I drafted them. You see other people that they'll they'll spend a high pick on a defense that um, you know is supposed to be so great. Uh, but they, you know, they had a great year, but then they kind of fall off. And, you know, injuries. A defense is that you're playing one position that is involving 11 players on the field at a time, let alone defenses swap players in and out and stuff like that. So you're relying on a lot of different players for one position. So injuries can have a big effect on it. Um, so if you throw out those two, uh, you know you're going to take them last. Uh, and then if you look at quarterback quarterback if you get a good quarterback you just want you just want one you could pick up somebody off the waivers the week that they're on by to fill in for them because if you're drafting a, a quarterback high um you know so if you're getting like aaron Rodgers or if you're getting drew Brees, you j just take that one quarterback don't get a second quarterback because you drafted that you spent the the pick on that quarterback because you know you're going to play them every week uh, other, if you get a second quarterback, you're just wasting a roster spot, basically. And sometimes you'll have a, a, a player that falls way below their value, and you're like, I just got to take a shot on them, even though I didn't intend to get them. So sometimes that happens, uh, and you just can't pass on it. But uh, in general, that's that's kind of how you want to approach it. Uh, so then beyond that, with this being PPR, and we know that wide receivers are going to have a heightened value in PPR, um, your two wide receivers on this team were A.J. Green and Amari Cooper, uh, which they're both great great wide receivers. Um, they're both wide receivers that can have big plays and get lots of catches. Um, your running backs were Isaiah Crowell and Dalvin Cook. Now, Dalvin Cook is a rookie who's getting a lot of hype, so maybe he's going to be great. But my first glance at that is, oh, your running backs look ugly for your, your two starting running backs. Um, Isaiah Crowell, I... He had a decent year last year. I have no faith in him, though. Um, your flex wide receiver is Pierre Garçon, who's going to be the 49ers' number one wide receiver. You know, it, there's no telling how the 49ers are going to do this year, but they have a complete change. So that could be a wide receiver that ends up being really great in PPR. Um, 
So when you're drafting, and then uh, God, my phone keeps on cutting off when I'm trying to say stuff. Um, so basically, when, when you're you're drafting for a PPR league like this, you want to get some really good wide receivers. Um, you want to get you know be solid at wide receiver and running back. Like we were just talking about, it looks like you want to kind of go with the later round quarterback scenario. Um, you know that you have that flex spot, so you want at least three pretty strong wide receivers. Um, after that, with your bench, usually the way that I approach it, unless uh, I'm taking later round quarterbacks where I take two quarterbacks, never have a defense or a kicker on your bench. You're just wasting a spot. Um, and just fill it up with wide receivers and running backs, and with it being PPR, uh, especially wide receivers. Um, so, like, the way that I would approach it is probably in a uh, drafting in a PPR league is I'm going to look to get in my first – in my first three picks, I want two wide receivers, one running back, most likely, because I want if if I take a running back in the first round, I'm going to want a wide receiver, wide receiver after that. If I take wide receiver in the first round, then in the next two picks, I want to get my first running back. Um, and then you want to finish up your running back, but uh, you know, first four picks, two running backs. Well, first three picks, two wide receivers, one running back. First five picks, I want to have three wide receivers and two running backs, most likely. Um, and if you throw, like, a quarterback in there somewhere, if you get, like, one of those crazy tight ends that you get at a good value, it'll kind of slide it back a little bit. But once you fill out your starting lineup uh, with those players, don't worry about your defense. Don't worry about your kicker. You might leave your tight end till really late. Just look at the players that are available and, you know, what wide receivers or running backs look best. Um you know, you'll see what names you're you're familiar with. If you pay attention, if you listen to the podcast at all, if you look at some of the articles, uh, like Matthew Barry is the um, the host that's been on the podcast the whole time it's been on. He writes a few articles regularly, and going into the beginning of the season, he'll have some fun ones. Um, like he'll have ten lists of ten, where he'll he'll have ten different lists of different things, um, and it's kind of a, a different way to look at things and it makes you think about things differently so that it's for fun partially, but um, he'll, he'll have a, a column of useless facts. I don't know. He has all kinds of different stuff like that. Uh, when you read the different articles, like he has one article that he puts every year and he'll start out by using kind of hypotheticals and he'll say player A did all this stuff and that sounds great. And player B did all this stuff and that sounds horrible. And it's the same player. You know, he does the same article every year, but he'll use the stats from the prior year and a, a player that it illustrates well, where depending on how you look at stuff, it could be great or it could be terrible. But when you read all those articles and you listen to the podcast, you start to catch names that keep on coming up of players with high potential, players with low potential, players that are going to be a lock, players that are going to be risky. Um if you pay attention to all that stuff, you'll just start to get familiar with names. You don't have to, you know, dig into the guy and know him inside and out and know him personally. But if you're familiar with the names, then when you're going through the draft, you're going to say, like, oh, I remember hearing about this guy, and this is what I heard. So as you go through, it's going to kind of draw your attention to different areas. Okay. All right, that all sounds good. Um I'm making notes as we're trying to talk about it. <laughs> so you're getting your own personal podcast here. You can just listen to it over and over. Yeah, yeah. I rarely ever listen to podcasts that I'm a part of. 
simply because I I know what's in it, so I don't have any reason to listen to it. One thing to be careful for, and this is part of the reason that we also we haven't set our draft yet in our league because I we're we're pretty close to having it filled out now, so I know that we're going to get it set up. But I wanted to wait until it was flushed out a little bit. But we'll set our draft to be within a couple of weeks of the start of the season, and that's a good thing because then we can see things like if players get injured, like in your mock draft here. Will uh, Will Fuller on the Texans, I believe, and I, I might be wrong because I might be mixing up names because I've only listened to a couple of podcasts so far, but I believe I heard on a podcast that he's injured and it could be something that could end up being serious enough to keep him from playing. Either that or he's somebody who got injured and is going to be out for the year. Um, so the later you, dra- you do your draft, the more, the more those things that are going to happen, happen. Um, so that way you know about them. But when you go into the draft, you want to be aware of uh, if there are those players that um, the way they set up the the queue for the draft, unless you change it yourself with your pre-draft settings, is that based on the average draft position. So it's taking the drafts that are happening, that are really happening, and it's arranging all the players based on how they're getting drafted in real life. Uh, you know, all the players that are playing on ESPN. Uh, so, it, it, you know, trends happen and it'll change those uh, ADPs over time. Uh, but if, I don't know, like, look, look at your list. If A.J. Green just tore his Achilles in practice and is going to be out for the year, it's still going to show that you should draft A.J. Green in the first round because there hasn't been enough time for players to stop drafting him for his position to drop. So that's one thing you want to be aware of uh, a little bit. And by the time we draft, odds are the players that would have been highly ranked that something like that may have happened with are going to slide down. So that's going to help you a little bit. But you still want to be attentive. Um, and if you do it on your computer, because uh, you can also draft on your phone and it works pretty darn well. Uh, but I know if you draft on your computer that it'll show, uh, I believe it shows the, um, like the, there's a little symbol that'll be next to the player if there's a medical issue. It's like a like that red cross symbol basically, mm-hmm. uh, and you can click on that and see what's up with them. Or I always just have another window open where I can easily kind of like check out the players and see what's up. So you can see is it that the player, you know, is banged up and is missing a couple of weeks, or did the player, you know, tear their ACL and they're out for the year. So just be attentive to that stuff, especially in the early rounds, so you don't draft a player that isn't even going to play. Okay. All right, now, on bench players, are there, or just in the league in general, are there limitations to the number of players you can have on position? In other words, if you wanted to, theoretically, could you load up your bench with eight wide receivers or eight running backs? Or, or So there, there is a limitation to it, but the, the cap number for wide receivers and running backs is really high whereas the cap number for quarterbacks or kickers is lower uh, because it wouldn't make any sense to have, you know, how many bench positions are there? Eight, seven? Seven. seven, there are seven. So there are seven bench positions, at least in, in this uh, mock draft you did. It wouldn't make any sense to have eight kickers on your team. But if you were an asshole and you just wanted to screw up your league and then leave, you could go on the waivers and you could pick up a bench full of kickers or a bench full of quarterbacks and make it so other players couldn't go out there and get players if their quarterback got hurt or if their kicker got hurt or something like that. 
Um, so I think that's more the reason why they put caps is so you can't intentionally hurt your league, even though it's hurting yourself. Um, I have never ran into the problem of not being able to, to uh, have as many kicker or uh, not kickers, as many wide receivers or running backs as I want on my bench. Um, same thing with quarterbacks. I know there's a, a cap on quarterbacks, but I want to say it's like four. And I've probably had four quarterbacks on my team at a time. If I've had like, you know, my stud quarterback is hurt. So I pick up a couple of guys hoping that one of them are going to click, but I don't want to drop my hurt guy because he's supposed to come back later in the season. Um, and then maybe one of my guys I picked up is on by the other one is playing a really bad defense that or you know, a good defense that's bad to play against. But I don't want to drop them because they both – I'm not sure who I want to go with going forward. So I pick up a fourth quarterback. I think I've, I, I think four quarterbacks is probably the cap. But regardless, I uh, the cap isn't something that I've ever had a problem with, with any kind of position. So if you load up your bench with – even if you load it up with all wide receivers, I'm guessing that that still isn't going to go over the cap. Um uh, you're, but it's, it's eight. You've got eight wide receivers, they, eight running backs. So, so potentially you could fall too short of not being able to have your ten wide receivers you could potentially have in your lineup. Um, but it, that's the maximum you could possibly have is ten, right. uh, because there's three potential starters and then seven on the bench. So realistically, it's not going to be a problem because you're not going to have only wide receivers or only running backs on your bench. Um, you may have only wide receivers and running backs on your bench, which is typically um, how I'm going to come out unless there's a, a late quarterback that I really want to take a chance on or a late tight end that I really want to take a chance on. And as you get later in the draft, if you're looking at the, the players that are available, you're like, man, I don't like any of these guys. You know, take a, take a chance on a, on a second quarterback, a second tight end. Um, ultimately, uh, the biggest thing is fantasy football is about having fun. So if you want something on your team, take it. Because would you rather have fun playing and lose or try to do everything perfect and not really enjoy it and win? Right. I'll tell you what usually happens is if you're, you're trying to be perfect and you're not really enjoying it, you're probably still losing anyways because something probably didn't go your way. Fantasy football, it takes skill, but it takes an amount of luck too. Oh, yeah, like anything. I mean, it's going to take, you know, just certain – breaks of how things go especially with injuries exactly do you have any other uh, uh specific questions uh not right at the moment no i mean we've talked about everything and i the primary questions that i had yeah those are the basics i'm gonna pull up uh pull up the website here and see i'll pull up the ADPs or something like that, so we can kind of look at what players are around. I just started getting my head into fantasy football. In prior years, I'm usually uh, really eager about fantasy football and football season. I start getting into it really early. Um, but this year, there's been so much going on that I, I really started diving into it just uh, a few weeks ago, basically. And really, because I was like, I need to start getting my leaks set up so that way it's not at the last second. Right. This is making me watch a preview. I don't want to watch for Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, here we go. So this is the, the ESPN uh, top 200 rankings. The default one is PPR. Um, so let's just look at a little bit of the rankings because this will kind of help me explain why they are like they are. Um, so the top 10, you got 
Le'Veon Bell, a running back, David Johnson, a running back. So I was talking about them already. The reason they're so high is they're very valuable running backs, and they also catch a lot of passes. So in PPR, they're even more valuable. And even though wide receivers catch more passes than running backs do, um, it's with any position you're thinking about what is the value in the position? What does it mean to your team to get that player? You know, if if you get a, a tight end that scores... 15 points every week and you could have drafted a wide receiver that scores 18 points every week well the 18 points every week is more than 15 but if you're comparing that 18 to another wide receiver getting 15 and that 15 for the tight end to a tight end getting seven it's a bigger difference in in what that player is worth to you um so the top two picks are running backs uh then you have antonio brown is the number one wide receiver uh, he's definitely a stud wide receiver. And then you have the fourth is uh, Ezekiel Elliott at running back, and I mentioned him already. Um, I don't believe he catches a ton of passes, but he's there aren't a lot of running backs in the league anymore that are the guy on their team. And you know Ezekiel Elliott is the guy on the team, so that's why he's up there so high. Um, then you have Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans. Those guys are pretty much all money. Uh wide receivers uh then number eight is aj green at wide receiver uh he he is a really good wide receiver i've had him a lot of times in different leagues and the thing that drives me nuts about him because he's on cincinnati is uh their offense can be boom or bust sometimes because andy dalton is their quarterback um and then also surprisingly cincinnati they have so many offensive weapons that some games aj green just won't get his uh, even though he's like he is definitely a very elite talent in the league, so he's he's a player that's definitely worth getting. You don't want to pass on him, uh, but there's a little bit of a difference between him and those Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown. Um, number nine is Jordy Nelson. Green Bay is you know I mean their offense is really powerful. They've had their ups and downs on offense if you look at the last four years maybe, um, but Jordy Nelson. Him being out really showed how elite he is. Because before that, it kind of was like, well, with Green Bay, it's just going to be next man up. But when Jordy was out, the offense just was not the same. So you kind of saw how good he was. Um, LaShawn McCoy is number 10. He's a running back. Uh, he's playing for Buffalo. <laughs> and uh, he catches a lot of passes, too. Like He's definitely a very offensive powerhouse of a player. Um, so you can see how there's a mix of running backs and wide receivers. Um, the first round has four running backs and six wide receivers. Um, and I think if it were standard scoring, you'd probably see a little bit more on the running back side there. Uh, 11 through 20 is, uh, T.Y. Hilton at wide receiver, uh, Devonta Freeman running back, Michael Thomas at wide receiver. Uh, he's on New Orleans. So talking about kind of how it works being on a team. So New Orleans is a very prolific offensive team. But they also ha- always have a lot of weapons on offense. Uh, so the thing with New Orleans is sometimes you get a you get a player, but there are just so many options that that player won't really get gone to that game. Um, oh gosh, what is his name? I'm gonna blank on his name now. Totally blanking on his name. But they had a wide receiver that always seemed like he should really be a stud wide receiver, but he never quite seemed to be a stud because they were able to spread the ball around so much. But uh, Michael Thomas, he was a rookie last year, and he was very good. Um, 
So I think that uh, he's going to continue to be a, a prevalent player on that team. Melvin Gordon at running back, uh, Jordan Howard at running back, Des Bryant at wide receiver, DeMarco Murray at running back, Jay Ajayi at running back, Rob Gronkowski at tight end. So there you go. We talked about Gronkowski. Even with his injury problems, he's the number one tight end uh, in the projections here. Well, not the projections, but the uh, uh, the rankings. Um, and let's see where the next tight end. Jordan Reed is the number two tight end at number 32. He even, he's even getting ranked higher than Kelsey, who had a great year. Kelsey's the number three tight end at 47. So if you're taking Gronk there at number 19, he if he plays, he just you can't stop him. I mean, he's just ridiculous offensively. Uh, and I've watched him play plenty of times uh, with my family, uh, my wife's family being big Patriots fans. And when you actually watch him play, like, He's just he's going to get points if he's not hurt. Uh, but if you take him there, you're taking the risk of what if he gets hurt. So if you're sitting there in that round, like if you have the number 19 pick and Rob Gronkowski is the one that is sitting right there for you, and you're thinking, okay, do I want Rob Gronkowski or do I want another safer player? Right after him, you got Amari Cooper, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Demarius Thomas, uh, so those are three wide receivers that if you don't feel safe about Gronk, don't take Gronk. Take one of those wide receivers. Right. Okay. So that's that's the first 20 picks and then a little bit. Number 23 is Leonard Fournette, a running back who is a rookie playing for Jacksonville. Um, he's obviously expected to do really well. He's the 10th ranked running back. But rookies can always be a little bit risky, so sometimes you, with a pick, you want to think like, do do I want to take the risk, or do I want to take something that I feel a little more confident in at that pick? Um, two picks after him is Lamar Miller, who's a running back. He helped me win uh, my first money league that I ever won. Uh, so I, I kind of had a soft spot for him, but I had him last year. He went to Houston, which was a better team than he was on. He and he just didn't do crap. So, uh, like, to me, I look at that, I'm like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with Lamar Miller. Uh, a couple picks after him, you get Todd Gurley at running back, who had a terrible year last year. But they also fired their head coach finally last year in, uh, in the Rams. Uh, and he, the year before, really looked like a, a very good talent. So, like, to me, if I were sitting there at the Lamar Miller spot, I would probably think about going Todd Gurley if I wanted a running back, because I think there's more upside there. And right after Todd Gurley, you got Brandon Cooks. So he's a receiver that came from New Orleans. He was great last year. Uh, but the spreading the ball around thing definitely hurt him at times last year. He's going to New England, which on New England, Rob Gronkowski is the, the most elite offensive player there, aside from Tom Brady, of course. Um, but uh, as far as all the wide receivers go, Brandon Cooks is definitely the, the most talented wide receiver. So he's going to go to a team that is you know is notorious for spreading the ball around and they're you know they they get the ball to who's going to help them win not to the the player that they need to feed so could Brandon Cooks go there and disappear many games or could he be consistently really great um, the last time they're they were actually talking about this on the podcast the last time that two receiver two receivers. Uh, got over a thousand yards was in 2011, and it was Wes Welker and Rob Gronkowski, and that was when Welker was probably at his best. But I think back to 2007 when they got Randy Moss, and they got a receiver who was really truly elite, and he 
went crazy that year. So you know, there's always a lot of factors to think of. So like when you're going through the draft and you see who's available to you, think about what you would what you would enjoy more. Like, do you want the players that are going to be risky and they might, you know, have crazy games all the time or might disappear sometimes, or do you want the players that are going to be consistent and reliable? And at different points in the draft, you'll feel differently about that too. Uh, you know, early in the draft, you might want you know, the first couple rounds, you might want a player that you feel like is going to be reliable for you and is going to get you points every week. And then the couple rounds after that, you might want players that, okay, I'm going to take a bigger risk here because, you know, I don't want the mediocre player that's going to, like, be reliable for nine points every week. I want the player that might get me 20 points some weeks. Then as you get later in the draft, you know, once you have your kind of starting lineup set, then you can do whatever you want, you know, the – the reason players are later in the draft is because either they're, if they're reliable, they don't produce a whole lot. Um, and then the other players are either not reliable or they're just unknown. So uh, the, the funnest thing in, in fantasy football is like you, you pay attention, you get some picks later in the draft that end up being great. And that feels great. Uh, but then after it, a lot most work in winning your league is done after the draft, and that's just each week watching the waiver wires and seeing who's available, who you think is going to continue to like perform on an upward trend. Um, and that's where like listening to the podcast or reading the articles, like you'll start to see certain names. Like last year, Jay Ajaye was kind of on the fantasy radar uh, as a running back for the Dolphins, uh, but he hadn't done anything. Then he finally got the chance, and he just went absolutely crazy for two games. And then even after that, like he stayed very solid, and it started tapering off as the year went on. But if you picked up JHIA and played him, you felt great about it. You know, you felt like a genius for it, just like me that first year picking up Tony Romo, and it got me to the playoffs. Um, yeah, those things are fun. It's not even like it's that hard to do. All you have to do is play it like a game and and look. Look at the things that are indicators of potential success, just like any game you play. Right. Um, so obviously, we're both nerds. We read comic books and stuff like that. Have you ever played, uh, you know, like RPGs, whether it be you know tabletop games, card games, video games, anything like that? Uh, marginally, not much. Though. I I played video games. I've never done the other ones. But if you get just kind of the basics of, like, what things you look for for success, you can play a game you've never played before, and it doesn't take you long to get in the swing of things because you're just looking for those indicators. Right. It's the same thing with fantasy football. I mean, you're playing a fake game that you're basing on real-life events, but the real-life events can be as much of a roll of the dice as rolling – what the hell do you call that dice in uh, tabletop games with, like, the 20 sides? <laughs> the decahedron or something? I don't know. Dodecahedron. Um, <laughs> I think that's from Futurama, actually. The hundred-sided die. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a, a you know the biggest lover of football, and sometimes that can get in your way with playing fantasy when you know too much about the real-life game of, of football. Because um, there are great real-life football players that aren't great producing fantasy. An example of that, which uh, not all leagues do this, and our league doesn't. Uh, but you can in, use individual defensive players in leagues. Uh, so if, you know, a few years back, and he's still is elite. But Richard Sherman was like the cornerback a few years back, right? Like you just you don't throw at him because it's not going to be successful. 
So from a fantasy perspective, he was a terrible player to have because quarterbacks didn't test him. They didn't throw at him. So he wasn't going to get interceptions as much. Uh, I mean, over the year, the course of the year, he might have gotten a good amount of interceptions. Um, but like, he, what makes him elite in the real-life game of football is that he's so good that he keeps quarterbacks from even going to him. Um, whereas in fantasy, that's not what you want. In fantasy, if you have a defensive player, you want that player to get tested constantly because they don't get a point if they don't get a stat. They don't get a stat unless they do something. Right. Um, yeah, so it's kind of same thing in uh, in fantasy football. Like quarterbacks, for example. Go back a few years, Blake Bortles had a great fantasy football year because his team was terrible. They would get behind huge. The other team wouldn't have to play as hard on defense. And so Jacksonville would put up a bunch of stats because the other team had a bend-don't-break philosophy at that point. They just had to not let them, you know, come back to win the game, but they could let them put up a bunch of yards. They could let them score a couple of touchdowns, you know. If you're up by four touchdowns, you can, you know, risk giving up a couple. Um, so Blake Bortles was a great fantasy quarterback that year. Uh, his true talent has shown over the, the course of the last couple of years uh, that he's, you know, he's not even worth having in fantasy anymore because that, that tends to come come to course, but... Uh, ben Roethlisberger is a great real-life quarterback, as much as I hate the bastard. Um, but he – they were just talking about him on the podcast too. And over the last – I forget how many years. It was like five or six years. He's been a top-10 fantasy quarterback once. And over the last few years particularly, he'll be great at home and he'll be horrible on the road as far as fantasy goes. And the Steelers are still a, a top team, you know, a team that's uh, in the playoffs and – you know, a real risk to, to go deep in the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl any year because they have, you know, so many so many ways to beat you. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Ben Roethlisberger is always a great fantasy quarterback because he has to get the, the stats, not just win the game. Right. <sighs> okay. So that's a, that's a pretty good basic overview of all of it. Uh, when we actually get to doing the draft, um, we may actually be doing – a live draft podcast. Uh, I forget who I even talked about doing that with uh, somebody. I think it might have been Jack brought it up. Um, so if, if everybody's down for it, that's something that we'll do because that'll that'll be fun to to do it. I've never actually drafted with people in person. Um, you know, everybody I know is too spread out. So even though I finally over the last few years been playing with people I know, it's still just online. Um, I have a, a friend, Kyle. He's actually going to be in the league with us. He's the one that, that uh, I added in just so I, I have a chance to play with him this year. And last year, he played with me for the first time. And he loved that it was online because he's in, the, he's in the Coast Guards. And so he plays fantasy football with the Coast Guard guys, and they draft in person. And he got tired of all the BS drafting with people in person. And me on the other side, like I've done a ton of online drafts. I, you know, I'm glad just to be able to draft with people I at least know online. I'm like, man, it'd be so much fun to me to be in a room with all the people I'm drafting with and be able to, you know, to talk and, you know, make fun of people's picks and, you know, just all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, we may do a podcast <laughs> when doing it, but uh, also as, as we're doing it too, if you have any basic questions, ask the questions. Cause you know, like, if you ask me in, if you sent me a message directly to me and say, should I take this player or this player? I'm not going to tell you who to take. But if you ask a, a basic question, 
then I could like I could answer a basic question that's just a- answering like how things work or whatever. Right. Um, or if you ask between two players, I may say, well, you know, th- these are the things you want to factor in. Um, so you can do that kind of stuff too. Like, don't be afraid to do that. I mean, ultimately, like I said, it's a game, and it's you know, playing games aren't fun unless everyone can have fun. So uh, we're certainly not the type of league where we would rather kill everybody and us like that's fun to uh, you know that that like for me i i won three three leagues last year two money leagues i won the bcp league was the non-money league that i won so it was a big year for me last year um and while just winning all those was pretty great because i got a big chunk of money and that paid for having to replace some tires um what made it really fun was the the competitiveness and the most fun league that i had was the bcp league because of people being competitive and being interactive and all that kind of stuff. And people aren't competitive and interactive if you just crush them and take all the fun away. So, you know, everybody in the league is out there wanting you to enjoy it too, because that's part of their enjoyment. Right. That goes for you too, Sparkman. Right. Well, we will wrap this up, Jay. I'm very excited about having you join us in the Slack League. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, not anything I ever intended or really thought about doing, but it's like, oh, what the hell? Yeah. It'll be fun too, because like, not only will it be another person that's not somebody I don't know in the league, but it'll be fun having somebody in it that, like, I can share my knowledge with that doesn't already know their own piece, you know? Right. Because, um, you know, we all know that. Like, when you know, when you have knowledge, you want to share it with somebody. And when everybody else knows enough, you can't really share it with them. So um, I'm excited about having you in that league. Sparkman, I'm excited about having you join us in the BCP league. Everybody else that got added to the BCP league was in the Slack league last year, so I played with all of them. So the, you two are the two new guys that I'm playing with in two different leagues this year. I look forward to beating the shit out of both of you and everybody else uh, as it is last year. Funny. funny if I new guy comes in and I end up uh, doing well. <laughs> like I said, uh, Amy that worked for me in the mall, her fiancé put the league together she, she only cared about football because of her fiancé. She wasn't a big football fan. Second place the first year, won the second year, and was highly competitive every other year that that league was going. Uh, she had some bad luck. She had one year where she uh, she had Adrian Peterson um, the year that he got hurt and was out for – I think she lost him for the whole year. Um, and she still was fighting for the playoffs. She was she was on the verge of the playoffs. I don't recall if she made it or not. I think she might have just fallen short. Uh, but to lose your number one pick and still almost make the playoffs is a pretty impressive thing to do. It is. So uh, everything is possible, and it really all that matters is is uh, that well the the number one thing that it matters is just that you enjoy doing it. Um, and as far as how successful you are, the biggest thing that matters is that you are paying attention. You know, if you're paying attention, you'll do a lot better than the people who think that they're great and don't pay attention to it. Cough, right. cough, Martin. Set your damn lineup this year. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, have fun editing this. Uh, so everybody that's listening, whatever podcast this ends up getting put out under, uh, Jay is on Twitter at Jay Forgets. I am on Twitter at Who's Paul. Uh, we have the VCP League going. We have the Slack League, which is also a group of Valiant fans going. Uh, if you want to know how either of those, of those leagues are going, tweet me, and I can actually uh, kind of post how things are going on there. Um, and, uh, yeah, otherwise, listen to the rest of the Nerdy Legion podcasts.